There's lots of advice telling you how to set and reach your goals. But before you dive in, it's a good idea to know God's plan for your life. Find joy in pursuing the next steps God has for you in Dr. David Jeremiah's book, Forward, Discovering God's Presence and Purpose in Your Tomorrow. God does have a perfect plan for you, and it's time to embrace your life's purpose. It's time to move forward. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. When you focus on your problems, it's easy to feel discouraged and alone. But that all changes when you focus on God's ability to overcome them. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explains how to make that dramatic shift in focus, as illustrated in Psalm 142. From encouraging words for discouraging times, here's David to conclude his message, God Sees and Hears You. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, and we begin this new week together as we continue our study of encouraging words for discouraging times. You know, we often sit together and wonder, what should we teach in the first month of the new year? And uh, this year, it was pretty easy to understand how important it was for us to lift your spirits from the Word of God. These have been some pretty tough tough weeks with what's happening in Israel, what's going on uh, around the world uh, with inflation and the turmoil that seems to be everywhere around us. How do you stay positive? How do you stay encouraged? How do you keep your spirits lifted up? Well, the Word of God is the source, and we're pointing you to some of the great passages in the Bible that will help you stay encouraged in a discouraging world. And the book that we're offering this month is brand new. It was produced for this moment so that you would have something in your hands. These are 10 biblical promises to bring comfort in chaos. And, uh, You know, the news headlines and the daily life leave you feeling kind of discouraged. Maybe you're dealing with relational difficulties. A lot of people we hear from are going through stuff like that. Maybe it's a season of sadness or grief or fear. Or maybe it's just wondering what's going to happen next. I want you to know that these 10 powerful themes from the Bible will help you be encouraged. I'd love for you to have this beautiful book designed to encourage you just the first time you look at it. And then the words inside will really bathe your soul in God's truth. Ask for the book, Encouraging Words for a Discouraging World, when you send your gift to Turning Point today. And now here's part two of God Sees and Hears You, Psalm 142. David is running from Saul. He now finds a place of refuge and look at the description of the people who come to be his cohorts and his comforters. Everyone who is distressed, everyone who is in debt, and everyone who is discontented, 400 strong of those people come to gather themselves around David as he's running away from Saul. I've read tons of literature on loneliness in preparation for these messages. I haven't read anything that comes close to the beauty of the language and the emotional overtones of David's description of what he felt. Let's trace through the experience of this man and his emotions. The first thing he says in verse 3 is that he is disoriented. His powers of judgment are gone, and there he is. He goes on to say that not only is he disoriented, but he's deserted. Notice verse 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man. 
Refuge failed me in these lonely words. No man cared for my soul. Total abandonment, rejection, isolation, hunted by Saul, abandoned by his friends, surrounded by the offscurring of the world, David was alone. Disoriented and deserted, he goes on to say that the result of those two things in his life caused depression. He was depressed. In the language of today, he has bottomed out. <laughs> and he has no hope for the future. Listen to the words of defeat in verse 6. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. He's defeated. What causes a man to be like that? Alienation from God, sometimes breaking up with somebody that you love, sometimes being a stranger in a new country or in a new city. Sometimes those feelings come because we are separated from our parents and from our loved ones. All of these emotions David describes are emotions that we have felt at one time or another, perhaps not at that level. But I have good news for you. David doesn't just tell us what it felt like. He gives us a clue as to how to deal with it. And this is the most important good news of the whole series because what I'm going to share with you in the next few moments is a formula that's found in this psalm that in my estimation is the best way to deal with depression and loneliness I have ever found in the Word of God. Some of what I may say is going to surprise you because it's gut-level honest. And yet it is not more honest than the words of David. So listen carefully and don't forget to try what God tells you to do with this information. I watch David in the midst of his lonely experience. I see him with all of these emotions being expressed and I ask myself, what will he do? And he tells me, in the words that he has written. The first thing that I notice is that he verbalized. He verbalized. That's step number one. Notice how carefully the scripture records the fact that David cried unto the Lord. Verse 1, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. Verse 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then knewest my path and the way wherein I walked, have they secretly laid a snare for me. Verse 5, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge. Verse 7, Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. Over and over again, David says, I cried unto thee, I expressed how I felt unto thee. He verbalized his problem. Now that may seem like a very trite thing to say from a psalm, but let me tell you that the first step toward healing from a lonely heart is to be able to express what you feel to the God in heaven who is your maker. To be able to come honestly to God and say, Lord, these are the feelings within me. I'm crying unto you. I'm opening my heart to you verbally. This is what I feel like. This is where I am. Our prayers are so benign. 
We come to God with our pious platitudes and we do all of our praying on the surface while down in here we're hurting desperately. And somehow the best friend we have in the world, the one who has created us and redeemed us, has never yet heard the cry of our heart out of the despair of our situation. One of the things that David teaches me is this, that it's all right to tell God what you feel. That's the beginning. That's the start. That's how a friend should be free to talk with a friend. There's a little book of writings called the Psalms of My Life, written by a man who expresses how he feels. And then this little section of the writing, he tells about an experience where he is away from home and away from his loved ones, and he's staying in a motel, and he writes this little prayer which is the prayer he prayed to God. And I think he's captured what I'm talking about. This is what he wrote. He said, Dear God, I am alone tonight, all alone. A thousand miles from home, there's no one here who knows my name except the clerk, and he spelled it wrong. There's no one to eat dinner with, no one to laugh at my jokes, no one to listen to my gripes, no one to be happy with me about what happened today and to say that's great. No one cares. There's just this lousy bed and the slush in the streets outside between the buildings. I feel sorry for myself and I've plenty good reason to. Maybe I ought to say I'm on top of it. Praise the Lord, things are great. But they're not. Tonight it's all gray slush. And we say, should a man ever talk to his God like that? Don't you think God in heaven knows that that's what you feel? Do you think it's a surprise to him? And don't you think that your Father in heaven is a friend who is close enough to you and who cares enough about you that he's willing for you to come and cry out of the despair and loneliness of your soul and verbalize what you feel. I remember the first time I had the courage, verbally, audibly, to tell God, Lord, I really don't feel like talking to you today. I really don't. I want to feel that way, and I know I should feel that way, but Lord, in my spirit and in my heart, I just don't feel like talking to you today. But you know, that's the beginning place. You start from there. God can take you from where you are to where you need to be. Now, the second thing you do is this. You visualize. Listen to what David said. Verse 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. David didn't even just describe how he felt. He painted God a picture. He said, Lord, let me lay this thing out for you. This is where I am. You see these sorry people you sent down here to help me? The distressed, the debtors, the discontented? These are the folks that are... And he paints the whole sordid mess for God. He just paints it and lays it out in front of him. He said, take a look at this, God. Look at this. David said, I poured out my complaint before God. He let him see the whole thing. That was not only good for God, that was good for David. Now, the thing that David teaches us, not only here but in his other writings, is that it's all right to visualize your problem as long as you keep it in perspective. Do you remember when the people of Israel were at Kadesh Barnea? And they all went over there to look at the promised land, and they all came back, and they all painted a picture, remember? 
And the majority reporters came back and they painted a picture of the giants and all of the problems over in the land. And they painted this whole picture. And what did they say? They said, hey, we're in trouble. Those people over there are big. I mean, they're like giants. And what was the rest of it? We're like what? Grasshoppers. So the picture they painted was the picture of them and us in the same frame. And then Joshua and Caleb, they went to and they came back and they got their paintbrushes out and they painted the same thing. Did they forget the giants? No, they painted the giants. But they didn't paint us. They painted God, didn't they? They painted the giants and God and they put them in the big... You know what a difference that made? That's why they could vote for the project instead of against it. Because in the frame where their picture was, were the giants and God instead of the giants and us. You know, that's what we do so often. We paint our problems and we put us in the frame with them instead of God. What a difference God makes in any painting. Verbalize it. Visualize it. Now here's step number three. Recognize. Verse three. Recognize that God already knows what you're telling him. That's so neat. Verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, notice this, thou knewest my path. You know, sometimes we tell God all of these things like we want him to find out. He already knows. Sometimes we come to him so tentatively, Lord, not sure I should tell you this. He already knows. Do you know it's hard to tell somebody bad news if they don't know? Not near as hard to tell them if they already know. And the scripture teaches us over and over again that he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Job 23.10. Psalm 37.23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. When we come to visualize and to verbalize our problem of loneliness before God in the same prayer that we paint this picture before God, we need to recognize that he already has seen this show before. (laughs) And he understands. What comfort and encouragement that brings to our heart. What courage it instills within us as we pray. Now notice, fourthly, we realize our provision in God. We verbalize, then we visualize, then we recognize God knows. Now we're going to realize what we have in him. Verse 5, I cried unto the Lord and I said, Thou art my portion and my refuge in the land of the living. You see, what's happened to David is he started down here on the cycle. He's moved up and he's gradually come around the top. And now all of a sudden, instead of seeing his problem in center stage, his problem has moved off to side stage and God has been moved into the middle. And he sees God big and strong and his problems beginning to fade away. And he sees God as his refuge and his portion. Everything's starting to fall together now and to fit. Someone has written about this matter of God being our portion in the land of the living. These words, and I think it captures the whole thing. They put it this way. Friend, there's no living in the land of the living like living on the living God. There's no living in the land of the living like living on the living God. 
That's what David was saying. He saw his problem, but he saw his God. And he realized all that he had in him. Sort of like the picture we have back in Daniel. You remember when the Hebrew children were in the fiery furnace? And the scripture says they looked into that flame and they saw one in the midst of that flame like unto the Son of God. It is a picture of the words of Hebrews 13 where God tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. It is another way of expressing what Isaiah the prophet expresses in Isaiah 43, 1-3, that when we go through all of those hideous experiences like fire and water and flood and difficulty, that God goes through those experiences with us. And please note that the scripture says he doesn't go into those experiences with us, he goes through those experiences with us. That means there's going to be an end to them. We get to the other side. Annie Johnson Flint really has captured that in these words that she writes about Isaiah's promise. She says, When thou passest through the waters, deep the waves may be in cold, but Jehovah is our refuge, and his promise is our hold. For the Lord himself hath said it, He the faithful God in true, when thou comest to the waters, thou shalt not go down, but through. Seas of sorrow, seas of trial, bitterest anguish, fiercest pain, rolling surges of temptation, sweeping over heart and brain, they shall never overflow us, for we know his word is true. All his waves and all his billows, he will lead us safely through. Threatening breakers of destruction, Doubts insidious undertow shall not sink us, shall not drag us out to ocean depths of woe, for his promise shall sustain us. Praise the Lord whose word is true. We shall not go down or under, for he saith, Thou passest through. What an encouragement. The God who is our refuge and our portion has promised to get us on the other side of the lonely, difficult experience. And that was what was firing the soul of David when he came to the end of that prayer. Now, what's happening? You see him working through all of this, and you see him verbalizing it and visualizing it and recognizing and realizing, and there's one last thing he does. It's the end of the psalm. He summarizes his victory. Read verse 7. Bring out my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. Now notice, the righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. You see, where David has come in just a few verses of Scripture, from crying out unto God in his lonely despair to finally the confidence in God that everything's going to be all right and that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly and God is going to deal bountifully with him. You know what's wrong with most of us? We try to get to verse 7 without walking through all of the other verses. You know, we come and we pull our belts in and we pull ourselves up strong and we stand up tall and we say, Oh, God will take care of me. I'll be all right. He's going to deal bountifully with me. Instead of honestly coming to that after we've gone through all of the other cycle. It's all right to do that. You see, I don't know if that makes you feel better, but it sure makes me feel like I'm on better ground when I see that's where David's been. 
If it's all right for him, it's all right for me. Now, you don't want to stay in verses 1 and 2 or 3 or 4. You need to get to verse 7, but you have to go on the road to verse 7. Some of you, you know, you don't need this message. You've been in verses 3 and 4 and 5 all your life. I want to get you to verse 7. It may take a little while. But some of the rest of you are pious, spiritual people who think that you live in verse 7 all the time, and it just isn't so. We are so proud and so self-sufficient and so determined we're going to do it our way. And God has his plan laid out for us. Theodore Kyler tells this very interesting story of a woman who was striving to find rest for her troubled and burdened soul. She was really going through a bad time. She was in her summer house all by herself trying to sort things out in her mind. She lost her husband. She was very much alone. She was trying to put her life back together. She was sitting in the middle of the big open room in her summer house. She noticed that a bird flew in the window. Sort of absent-mindedly, she watched what was happening. It's one of those big high-arching rooms and had windows up along the top, and the bird flew in the window and then up at the top realized that it was trapped and confined and was trying to get out. And it flew against every one of the windows, trying to make it out through where the light was coming in and nothing, it just banged against the window and sort of fell back and it would fly to the other side and bang against the window and fall back. Every time there was a little crack or crevice that it looked like it was possible, the bird just tried to force its way out of that house. And she just sort of sat there watching all of this, taking it all in. She thought in her heart, poor bird, why do you not come down lower and you would see this open door and fly out easily? But the bird kept wounding itself against the closed window, trying to force its body through every crevice that it saw. And at last, its wings grew tired and it flew lower and lower in its exhaustion until it was on a level with the open door. And then seeing the way of escape, the little feathered creature suddenly found freedom and soon its song was heard in the trees outside. All of a sudden, a light dawned upon this woman's mind. She said, I'm like that bird. I, through my pride and self-sufficiency, have been trying to fly so high to see the door up there. And God has been trying to humble me so I could see the door that was down here. Her heart was quieted, and she realized, even as did the psalmist, that though her spirit was now overwhelmed with difficulty, God still had an open door through which she could find freedom if she would just stop her struggling and humbly wait for his direction. I think that's the message God wants to get through to us out of this psalm. It's not wrong to be in difficult straits. We all go through them. If we haven't, we will. We need to express where we are and tell God how we feel. We need to let him bring to us in the midst of that open confession of our weakness the strength that is available to us through his word. And then we have to be willing to get down where the help is
to swallow our pride and our self-sufficiency and put all of the ideas that we have about our ability to handle every situation without God all behind us and say, Lord, you show me the door at whatever level and I'll go through. You've been in Psalm 142. You just didn't realize David was there before you. God gave you this book so you'd know what to do with the problem you have, how to respond to it, how to work yourself through it in victory as an overcomer. Why don't you let go of that whole thing you've been hanging on to? Quit banging against the window of your self-sufficiency and let God have that problem. Will you do it? Amen. That's what you need to do. You need to understand that the, the God who helped David in his situation is a God who will help you. He's the same God, and he loves you every bit as much as he loved David. So take advantage of this truth and put it into action. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the fact that God is in control. What a wonderful theme that is for the time in which we live. Everything else is out of control, but God is in control. You don't want to miss tomorrow and Wednesday as we talk about that. And then on Thursday and Friday, our message is called, God is the Source of Your Strength. Uh, That is a a line from a very famous worship song that most of you know, but it's right from the Bible. Uh, Don't forget to ask for your copy of Encouraging Words. The source book for all of this truth is yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point this month. Do it today. Ask for the book when you send your gift. We'll see you tomorrow. message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Let us know how Turning Point is impacting you by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, Encouraging Words for a Discouraging World. Ten Biblical Promises to Bring Comfort in Chaos. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue encouraging words for discouraging times on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Do you believe Jesus is with you in every moment? One of the best ways to instill this truth is by spending time in reflection and prayer. Dr. David Jeremiah makes this easy with his new 365-day devotional called Walking with Jesus. This exclusive book is available for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a donation of $120 or more, you'll receive the devotional four-pack, perfect for gifting. Learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. 
I have some great health news. Statistics now reveal what happens if you exercise daily. You die healthier. Of course, you live healthier too. Sometimes people make the mistake of being so focused on health, they forget that one day they will die. Other statistics confirm that 100% of us will indeed pass away. Actually, we didn't need a lot of research to remind us of that fact. Hebrews 9 verse 27 says it this way, It is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. To live well, exercise daily, but to die well, exercise your faith in Jesus Christ. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's plan for life after death on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.